Hey everyone, welcome back to the Jamie Star Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode. So my guest today is an actor and singer who's been featured on Broadway in Spring Awakening. My guest today is Katie Bowick. So before you even joined Spring Awakening, did you have a lot of prior knowledge about just the show in general? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I studied musical theater and I always a fan of shows I mean I love like classical musical theater but because of I think the nature of my artistry and the way that I like to sing like I'm really drawn to musicals that are sort of in that contemporary um, genre the folk like kind of with all the guitars and stuff so I was always a fan of the music Mm -hmm. and and I'd seen it I'd seen the tour I think with like Kyla Riabko and Christy Altamare and like I saw it at the Amundsen in LA and was just like blown away, but I always wrote it off as something like, I never thought of it in a context of like something I could do. I just yeah. figured like I had aged out of the musical and, you know, one of those things where I was like, well, you know, I missed my chance to do that show, but what an amazing piece of theater. So it was never something I ever thought that I would get to be a part of, you know, like let alone be in the revival of. <laughs> Or was this a show you kind of, when you were sitting and you saw the show, Christy Altamore and all them, did you kind of be like, hey, I, like, I want to do this show? I mean, yes, but it was never, like, a, a thing that I thought would ever happen in reality. Like, I'm, I'm a fairly tall person, and I always had this issue when I was younger that, like, I would audition for local theater and stuff, and I'd, I would always, like, just be too tall to play the teenage roles, and I was always, like, mature, and then when I grew up, I feel like the opposite happened. Like, I kind of got, I don't know. So I just, like, my agents, I never thought, like, to submit me for things like that. So what the way that it came about was, like, because I played guitar and they were looking for, like, singer-songwriter types to voice for the characters, like, the role literally got offered me. Um, and I... I was so stoked because not only was I getting a chance to be in the show, but like to actually play the score and like dive deep into the musical aspect of the show, which was like, I mean, I love the, I love what the story is about, but I particularly like love the music and the the tunings and just like the musical quality of the show is, is like what was most exciting for me to, to dive into. Yeah. What was exactly your job when it came to singing the voice of Wendla? Yeah, so it was multifaceted. I mean, I I sang every song, and I played every song for the most part. Um, And I played multiple songs in the show, too, even songs that, like, I wasn't singing. So I was, like, in the band um and i don't know have you did you ever see it did you see the show no i missed it i was young when it was like i was really young when it was on broadway so like i was too young to a point like i wouldn't it would go right over my head if i were to go see it yeah well and it was such a short-lived thing too it was only on broadway for like you know six months or something so Mm -hmm. um so i sang every song but um and i voiced the lines so i mean essentially i did everything that you know person playing Vendla would do but there was another character um I I wasn't Vendla in the world of the show um that was played by Sandra Mae Frank and and she you know you you sign language so what ended up evolving as we were 
workshopping the show and the original production of it, which was like, you know, LA inner city arts, like mm-hmm. very the Leah Michelle, Jonathan Groff, Lily Cooper. Well, well, this was the original version of our revival. So <sighs> first time that we did it in LA with Deaf West um, at inner city arts it was a 99 seat theater, you know, equity production that was like, we were all making like 20 bucks a show. It was like oh, really, wow. really low budget. Um, what ended up happening was all of the actors who were deaf, who had voicing counterparts, we had to figure out a way to like make our presence on stage um, not awkward because we weren't just like character, we weren't just voices. We mm-hmm. ended up becoming like their subconscious or their inner world so yeah you were like their con like like their conscious their conscience ah, i can't talk today that's right yeah so so sandra and i sort of developed our own relationship where she would refer to me when she was trying to wrestle with a decision and i didn't really interact with anybody else in the show it was almost like i was yeah like her her guardian angel or mm-hmm. her subconscious and um and so you know, that's the other layer of what I I had to do in that show was it was very technical because I had to match my uh, my speech to her signing. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we wanted her to be free to perform in the moment yeah. you know, as, as any actor would, like just to deliver lines fresh every time. So oh, yeah, 100%. Very, yeah, so I had to be super in tune with her. Um, and also with everybody else in the show, it became this very well-oiled machine because it's a musical mm-hmm. for people who are um, deaf or hard of hearing. And so, um, you know, everything had to be cued. And so there were all these, I mean, probably over 150 light cues. Yeah, you guys probably had it all down to a science, too. We did, yeah. So um, it was an incredible experience, um, not only just from a just like musical standpoint for me, like getting to getting to perform and sing and play the music and all that stuff in a show that I never thought I would ever play that role at the age that I was. And, but also to interact with Sandra and what we created together was like the most rewarding part of the show. Yeah. It was like magic. What did you enjoy most about your experience with spring awakening? I mean, honestly, I think it was the interaction between the hearing cast and the deaf cast, I mean, there's a very marketed separation there because when you have a language barrier, you know, none of us, with the exception of Austin, already knew how to sign. Mm -hmm. And so it was a really big challenge in the beginning. Like, and I had my instrument with me. So I wasn't ever like really forced into having to learn how to sign in order to perform in the show because I always had my hands occupied on an instrument. But Mm -hmm because I wanted to interact with my castmates and we basically went on this entire two-year journey together, like it became imperative that that all of the hearing artists learned how to sign, you know, not only to just be inclusive, but to like have an experience with our these people that we were spending so much time with. So mm-hmm. my, I forget what the original question was, but like my overall, like the best ex- part of the mm-hmm. experience for me was aside from just performing, which I loved doing every night and being on a Broadway stage, which was like, I mean, a total dream realized for me. Mm -hmm. The journey that I think we all went on together was like nothing. I think any of us had been on and nothing like we probably will ever experience again. I mean, it was such 
it was just this beautiful it happens sometimes in casts where something gets created that is just so unique and will never it'll never happen that way again yeah and you guys all like bond over it too yeah i mean by the end you know we like, like i said we've been together most of us for two years mm-hmm. and um we'd grown very close and and we created something really beautiful together and so i think i appreciated music in a new way and i think i found my voice strangely in a new way like being the voice of someone mm-hmm. you know i was able to appreciate music on a level that went beyond like what i what was audible because i you start to understand it from from the perspective of someone who might not hear it the same way and it was like more about what i could what i felt as an artist as opposed to like the perfection of how i sounded it was like how was i communicating yeah um, and so I, I learned quite a bit about myself in the process and in that context, too. Would you ever want to go back to Broadway in the future? hundred percent. I miss it, especially because the experience that I had particularly, like, I had a very personal loss in the midst of my time there. And so I would love the opportunity to go back uh, to Broadway, you know, as the, like, I've grown so much since that experience and, um, so yeah, I mean, if the opportunity ever presents itself and the right role comes along and and it works out, um, I loved I loved being in New York. I loved being in New York with, while doing a Broadway show. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's hard. It yeah, is, it is not a joke. I mean, it is so demanding. Kudos to the people who just go from show to show to show because I mean, it's 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 work. Um, yeah, and it's grueling. Um, but there's nothing like there's nothing like the curtain opening. Oh, yeah. It's the adrenaline rush. The adrenaline, just the, the audience, you know, the people that are there, um, and the energy that you get um, in a live setting like that. It's just, it's so wonderful. Yeah. How would you describe your music in three words? Hmm. Music in three words. Um, I think, especially the music I've been making lately, there is a very earthy element to it Mm -hmm. and yet it's like cosmic and mystical yeah um and deep i guess oh i like it yeah can you or can writing music be overwhelming for you in any way yeah it asks the absolute most of me like i'm not saying a lot because i'm i'm a mother i'm a single mother like i am I'm spread thin in general, just in my life and the level of responsibility that I have. But writing a song is the hardest thing. Yeah. It can be. I mean, it feels like giving birth. Like, it's it's that type of, like, demanding of all of you. But it's not not as internally painful, is it? Not in, like, a sensory level, but... Yes, it can be for me in the fact, in the sense of like when I'm writing, it's usually because I have something really deep and intense that I'm trying to work through and like mm-hmm. get out of me. That um, if I can't get it out easily, it sucks and it 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 really like um, yeah, it can really frustrate me. But then you know, once it's out or you've landed on a stanza or a phrase or a melody that just it's right and you sort of writing music is a bit like channeling like you're just open you're just open to what's coming through but you have to show up and you have to be in co-creation with that little magical mystical element 
that mm-hmm. like all songs are born from and so it's a beautiful it's fun it's exhilarating and at times it is ex- demanding and challenging and frustrating and all of the above yeah yeah how would your how would you say your music has sort of changed over time Spring Awakening, I think, was a really grow. It was a, a it was a period of growth for me as a musician because you know Duncan Sheik's like voicings and the way that he writes, um, it challenged me and I learned a lot. Um, and so I think I became more mature and complex as a musician just because there was more colors in the mm-hmm. music that I hadn't explored. And so, um, but I'm essentially the same writer that I've always been, which is that. I'm always looking for like the deepest truth and and because I'm inspired by some of the greats and I aspire to be like a flame keeper for those kinds of artists like Joni Mitchell and James Taylor and mm-hmm. King and you know Laura Nero and stuff like that like I'm very interested in the the dance between lyric and melody and chord progression and how to um, interweave the two so that not only what I'm saying lyrically, but like what I'm writing and singing melodically and the chords that I'm playing underneath, like are all working together to tell the same story. And so um, that I think has just become more refined mm-hmm. over time. But like, I'm still, I'm still, I I have a deep sense of humility about it because I I still feel like the, my best material is, is yet to come. And, um, and it's something I've been doing literally out of necessity as an outlet for myself like since I was a teenager um so it still serves the same purpose for me I still have the compulsion to do it um and it's still as exhilarating and frustrating as it's ever been but um I think I'm just landing a little bit more on like my own authentic voice yeah like in the beginning when you're starting any creative endeavor like all you have are your influences and what you've, you know, like what you've read and what you've heard. And so over time, I think what happens is all those disparate parts start to come together into like one clear distillation of like your authentic self. And so that's what I'm most interested in Mm -hmm. finding. And I think it's an ever evolving process. Yeah. Is there something you need in the room with you while you're recording music? Like, do you have to have like a certain drink or a certain food or the lights have to be like a certain way? So I do like to have a vibe, um, low lighting, um, you know, I'm a, I'm big into candles, but in general, like, it's true that the environment in which someone is writing and recording in, like, is important. And so, um, you know, just like great people, um, and a great sounding mic with the right amount of like reverb, mm-hmm. right, the right mix in my ears and, um, yeah, some hot tea. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, mostly it's just about the the place that I allow myself to show up in. Like, mm-hmm. and if I need to, if I'm not feeling it, like I just, I can't, I can't do it. So um, I need to be able to kind of air out all my insecurities and, you know, like get validation from my producers and stuff like that. Like it's, it's not like I go in, you know, feeling 
like 100%, especially because if you're writing new material, it's all fresh and new and you've had no context for it Mm -hmm. in front of an audience. You have no idea if the songs are good. And if you're super inside of a project, you're basically just like, I don't know. I'm just just writing this. Let's see. So really it's about an attitude of like um, exploration and curiosity and um, and also trust, like just trusting in the people that you're working with. Um, In terms of like physical things, like I do prefer to just have like my legal pad and my pencil in case I need to make notes. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Do you get pre-show jitters? I do. Um, Nerves is like actually a a really big challenge for me. Um, It's something I'm still trying to figure out how to manage. I never got it like once we were in the show and we'd gotten past all the important nights of like previews and opening night mm-hmm. like, unless unless somebody leaked to the to the cast like that there was someone important in the audience or someone you know like famous I never really had nerves at that point but like yeah super nervous at the Tonys I I get jitters to this day like it depends on the circumstance, um, but there's things you can do to mitigate that, you mm-hmm. know, like uh, just super being super prepared, warmed up, yeah. uh, you know, because then what happens is when your heart is pounding and, you know, you're having to swallow and, you know, gain your composure, like your instrument is, you can trust your instrument and you can know that, like, even under nerves and under pressure, like what you're delivering is going to be quality mm-hmm. work. Um but yes, I struggle with nerves a lot, actually. Yeah. What was the first concert you ever attended? Hmm. I think the first concert I attended was Alison Krauss and Union Station. My dad took me to see her when I was, for my birthday, surprised me when I think I was, oh my gosh, maybe nine. Oh. Um, and I'd always been a big fan of hers. She's one of the, the main, um, like, one of my main vocal influences. And... Um, yeah, I do. I do remember it somewhere in California. What is your favorite cereal? Cereal? I used to be a big, like, I think it's still probably just, like, Frosted Mini Wheats. I don't know why, but they're just... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can never go wrong with those. Can't go wrong, yeah. <laughs> when was the last time you attended either a, attended either a musical or a concert? of spelling bee which i i had not ever seen um so like in terms of just like and seeing a musical i just saw that very recently and he was fabulous in it i'm so proud and i feel like so happy that both of my nephews are pursuing theater and and they're just wonderful artists and entertainers and um and then the last concert i saw oh my gosh i'm trying to remember i feel like it's been a long time since i actually saw i saw brian blade who's like a jazz drummer here um in a beautiful church in nashville and that was stunning it was like jazz is something that i like haven't yeah like i don't i'm not like super into or i haven't like developed like a true appreciation for it as something that i want to um to dive into a little bit more mm-hmm. um, and so yeah i saw this amazing jazz drummer here in Nashville, which was pretty special 
do you tend to eat before or after a show? Uh, after, yeah. I don't want to have anything coming up. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah, it's like kind of tough to... Breath is something that even after... You know, I started taking voice lessons when I was four. And like, even after 30 years of singing, like... Oh my God, I can't believe I just said that. 30 years of singing. Um, you know, like my breath is still something that I'm... I have to be conscious of every time and so taking taking proper breaths on a with a you know big old burger in your belly is not always ideal yeah I typically scarf after the show yeah who are some of your musical influences hmm, good question i have i actually just did this um for the process of getting my album like inspiration for my album i made an entire document of all of my biggest influences from childhood and then like my recent ones um but you know I'm a big fan of like that all that Laurel Canyon music that west coast folk scene so Mm -hmm. all that music really spoke to me as a child and it was what my mom grew up with so naturally that was what we would listen to so you know um Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Jim Croce, Joni Mitchell, James Taylor, uh, Mamas and the Papas, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then a lot of 90s women like Natalie Merchant and Paula Cole and even like R&B, you know, like Desiree and Erica Badu and um, there's an African artist named Fatimata Diawara that I just am obsessed with. Um, and, you know, anything where it's just like basic elements of like beautiful acoustic guitar or nylon guitar and a beautiful vocal and a beautiful melody Mm -hmm. Um, that's pretty much all it takes to to impress me yeah so your son might not like this question but I love asking people with kids this question is what is something that your child is into that you think is really annoying a show that we both like right appropriate for him and will also like not make me want to lose my mind Mm -hmm. Um, right now he like there's so many things that are like you know to an adult that you can say are like annoying um he really likes to just listen to the same song over and over which you know if it's if i don't if it isn't baby shark i can usually handle but like oh yeah baby shark's annoying lately he's really been into Believer by, um, is it One Republic or whatever? Oh, Imagine Dragons. Imagine Dragons, yeah. Like, oh my god, that song has been on repeat, which is fine and it's cute. And because I really want to encourage him to have an appreciation for music, like, you know, I, I, I try really hard to, because you know, the nature of being an artist is that you do have to have solitude and you have to have time to yourself to create. Mm-hmm. So um, when I, you know, when I'm carving out that time for myself, it's usually when I, when I he's sleeping or he's, you know, he's with a sitter or he's at school. And so when I'm with him, I really try to be as present as I can mm-hmm. um, so that I don't get those feelings of being annoyed while I'm mothering. <laughs> Here he is behind me. Hi, baby. Hi. <laughs> What is a song that you can listen to on repeat? Ooh, that I can listen to on repeat? Um, oh my god, there's a few. I mean, I love Bruce Hornsby, so I can listen to Mandolin Rain and Every Little Kiss. I mean, those songs. I could listen to um, 
San Andreas Fault, Natalie Merchant. I could listen to, um, I mean, I just did a, I did a whole like show covering um, Joni Mitchell's Blue, and I never ever got tired of all that music. I mean, good music is so um, when it really gives. It's really life giving, you know. Yeah. Who are some of your dream collaborators? Go potty. Go ahead. You can go. I'll help you when it's time. Okay? I will. You can do it by yourself, too. I believe in you. Dream collaborators. Oh, oh my goodness. I mean, okay. I would love to work with, like, everybody in John Mayer's camp, like David Ryan Harris, and I'd love to co-write with him. Um, there's, uh, I actually, I recently was part of like helping write some of the material for Leslie Odom Jr.'s record. Oh, that's cool. And I met some great people there. There's someone named Tommy King, who is like the, the MD for um, Hyam. I'd love to work with him. Um, I mean, Gosh, there's so many great musicians out there. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, collaboration, I feel like for a long time I was really, like, just doing the thing on my own. Like, really felt like I had to do it all on my own. And, and lately, because the nature of my life, like, I have to, I have to ask for help and I have to be open to collaborating because you know, it's the only way that I'll yeah. get, get out what, what needs to get out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm open. What fictional character do you wish existed in real life? Hmm. Character that existed in real life. That's a good question. Um, man, I will say that I was, I was 10 turning 11 when... <laughs> when Harry Potter came out. So I was like at the exact age, like my my age group like aged with all those books. Mm -hmm. um, and I do remember just like secretly hoping I'd get my Hogwarts letters. So I mean, Dumbledore. Like, <laughs> yeah. Stupid, but like, I feel like we could all use a, a real life Dumbledore. Yeah. And what is a fun fact that not a lot of people know about you? Oh, um, stuff that I haven't shared just like in terms of just my personal life in terms of fun facts um, I don't know I grew up in a really cool like creative community like uh Zach Efron was like a childhood friend of mine and oh that's so cool we grew up together and um yeah like I just yeah I like had a really cool childhood with uh, a lot of creative people that have gone on to do great things and so um yeah maybe that's something i don't people don't know that's cool once again i've been speaking with actress and singer katie bowick i will see you all on my next episode where i'm chatting with cindy winters a broadway star who's also part of disney princess the concert